0: Energy. The guy told me I was no spring chicken anymore, and that's why my ankle was still hurting. I'm 33, not 133. The passion. The Red Sox handling of Xander Bogus is a complete organizational failure. The opinions on
1: all your favorite
0: teams. No, not this year, but it's next year where Bill Belich ends up on the hot seat.
1: This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEBAM FM, and WDEB
2: What's up, everybody?
0: Good morning. Live from Patrick Jim, Brady Farkas Show on the road on a Saturday. Getting you ready for the America East title game. The UVM men's basketball team taking on UMass Lowell here. Two and a half hours from now, 11 o'clock is the tip-off. Nationally televised game on ESPN2. I am here. I am bringing you closer to the action we have a great show lined up for you we've got a ton of guests rolling through mike Tremboli, the former uvm men's basketball standout is going to be with us in 15 minutes we're going to have steph smith the former catamount hoop star with us ernie duncan sitting down with us on set a special surprise from the uvm women's team we've got jake marsh the former uvm broadcaster turned podcast star at barstool sports he's going to be with us as well all getting you ready for the 11 o'clock tip off here is the story I need a little bit of help from those of you who are watching i need you to tell me how this looks and how this sounds because i'll be perfectly honest with you i'm a little terrified right now so get in the comments section and let me know here is what happened so every single year every year that i've been here the media room has been in the exact same spot right so I told UVM, hey, I want to do the show. I want to do it from the same place we always do it because in that room, there are really good computers, really good computers that work fast, that are wired, internet, et cetera. They go, no problem. We'll do the show where you always do. But they decided to up their game and they moved their media room to a different place. So as a result, all of those computers went down there. There's not enough time for me to switch to get down there. So I am doing the show on my laptop. I ask you to let me know how the show looks, how the show sounds. My laptop quality, not as good as those computers would have been. The internet, probably a bit laggy because I'm going through Wi-Fi. I'm sure there will be a period where I float in and out on you or you hear a little bit of a laggy connection or where I talk but my face doesn't move. I am sure 1,000% that that is going to. There's a couple of viewers in already. Get in the comments section. Let me know what you are seeing. Let me know what you are hearing. Brian says it sounds good. Thank you very much. Now my fingers are crossed for the next two hours or so. But again, I am sure there will be a period where we lag in and out a bit. We've all dealt with Zoom. We've all dealt with everything during the pandemic. So hopefully uh, it's good enough for all of us to get through. I am pumped that some of you are up early with us, pumped to have more people in until 11 o'clock as well. And, this is a very interactive show, right? This is, a, this is a little bit different than the radio, a little bit looser, a little bit uh, uh, like, you no, know, I guess that's it, a little bit looser. You can get in on the comments section all show long. We'll bring some of your comments to the air. We can ask questions of the guests when they're sitting down with me, uh, so we'll have a lot of fun over the course of the next two hours going up until 1030. First off. Congratulations to the UVM women's basketball team. How about the Catamounts on the women's side? First NCAA tournament appearance in 13 years. They beat you Albany yesterday. Elisa Kresge said it was going to be a rock fight. It was a rock fight. Defensive struggle. That was not, you look at the final score of 38-36 and some of you will say, oh, it's bad offense. No one can shoot. I really don't think that was the case. That was a great defensive performance on both sides. And uh, we will have a special surprise from the UVM women's team coming up with us here at about 9.30. Let's switch our focus to the UVM men who are taking on UMass Lowell coming up here again at 11 o'clock. I feel really good about where the Catamount men are at coming into this game. And I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be overconfident. But I feel like UVM is going to get a controlling victory in this game. I don't mean they're going to win by 40. But I could see them winning this game between 12 and 18 and feeling pretty good about themselves most of the day here at Patrick Jim. And I just think a couple of things come into play. One, this team has experience. UMass Lowell doesn't. UMass Lowell has been to a title game. They went to a title game during COVID. They've never been to a title game, though, with a crowd like this. That's against them. They've never gotten to the NCAA tournament at the Division I level. This is a team in the U.S. Lowell going through this battle for the very first time. UVM has seasoned veterans, some of which have been to the tournament multiple times in their career. UVM has age. It has seniority. It has East final experience. It has tournament experience. I think that is really going to play into things here. So that's number one. Two, I think the UVM men look at the UVM women yesterday and think, okay, that's got to be us now. I think there's a motivation factor here for the UVM men that I discounted kind of on this ride. UVM men were in the gym yesterday. They see the women and the crowd. They see the way the crowd responds. They see the UVM women get the victory. They see them punch their ticket. They see Delaney Richardson put the big logo on the March Madness bracket card. They see them dancing at center court. And they, you've got to think, as a competitor, as a human, okay, I got to get that. I got to get that. So there's an internal motivation now that's even greater for the Catamount men to go out and replicate what the Catamount women did. And I also think. That this team is playing for, playing for a little bit bigger of a cause, and that sounds overdramatic, but I think this team is playing for 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 uh, for Dylan Penn. Dylan Penn remembered this story. Dylan Penn last year was at Bellarmine, and he was a star. And Bellarmine had transferred in from Division Two to Division One. As a result, there's a four-year waiting period for you to get to the NCAA tournament. When you go Division One, there is a four-year moratorium on your ability to make the big dance. So Dylan Penn plays at Bellarmine. They win the Atlantic Sun tournament. They win it. He's, I believe, the most outstanding player of the tournament. Cannot go to the tournament. Transfers. And he comes here. And he comes here for one reason. And that one reason is to get to the NCAA tournament, which he couldn't do at his previous school. So this team, I think, is playing for him also. Right? You would have to. Look, this team wants to send Robin Duncan out on a high note, but they also want to send Dylan Penn to the tournament for the first time. So you start thinking about motivation and where your motivation is going to come from. I think UVM has a lot of it, and I think that's going to manifest itself here today. I think the Catamounts are going to win this game by anywhere between 12 and 18 points. I do not think this is a single-digit game. I don't. Now, it might be close early. It might be a scenario where the two teams are feeling each other out it might be a, t- a situation where the two teams are too amped up and have to calm down. We might see a 11-9 game. You know, 8 minutes into the half. That could happen. But eventually, I think UVM is going to pull away. And I think they're going to win this game. I got them I got them winning like 79-64. That's where I think I'm at. I said I think they win between 12 and 18. I've got them winning at 15. 79-64 is my prediction. Now UMass Lowell has has scored over 80 both games against UVM. So they have proven they can score. I just don't think they do it today. When these two teams met at at UMass Lowell, remember TJ Hurley and Finn Sullivan didn't play. So I discount that. The player of the year is not on the court. I discount that. UMass Lowell rolled them, dominated. A couple weeks later, UVM dominated, put up over 90. UMass Lowell got some garbage buckets late, kind of you know last six minutes of the game. That's where I think their big scoring output came in that one. So UVM, I think today, with all on the line, I don't think they let up. And I've got this game being 79-64. I want to hear from you. One, again, tell me how the internet connection is holding up because, again, I'm deathly terrified. Two, tell me your predictions, what you're looking for. You can get in right here on the comment section. If you're watching on Facebook Live, if you're watching on YouTube Live, comment in, tell me what you're thinking, tell me how things are working. Mike Tromboli is going to join us on the phone here in five or six minutes, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him. It's going to be a great day in Catamount Country. It's going to be made an even better day if and when UVM wins again. I think this this is my fifth America's title with this team or, or since I've been here, this is my fifth America's title game scenario. The first year UVM played Albany and won in a very close game, very good game. UVM was unbeaten in the regular season that year inside conference play. It was a great game. UVM won late. It was like 55 51, something like that. Great pass from a uh, Haines Haynes to Peyton Henson who threw it down for a dunk at the end of the game. Then There was the UVM-UMBC game where Jairus Lyles hit the three at the buzzer. There was the next year where UVM beat UMBC in the rematch. Then we had COVID. Then UVM got upset during the COVID season. And then last year, UVM beat UMBC. So it's the first time that we're seeing UMass Lowell in this scenario. And... It's going to be the first time that UMass Lowell could ever get to the NCAA tournament as a Division One team if they were to win this game. I just don't think they will. I think UVM comes out. They're playing at home. They earned the right to do that. So they're playing at home. They have the added motivation of seeing what the women did yesterday on this same floor. And they have the added motivation of playing for Dylan Penn. I think that this is—I mean, this is going to be setting up for a great Saturday morning here for UVM. I am all by myself, by the way all by myself. Usually this room is teeming with media. It's also teeming with snacks, neither of which we have right now. The media, the rest of the media has all pulled down downstairs. So all the other media is downstairs, like two floors below me, like in the basement. I am up here by myself. I have no idea what's going to happen over the course of the next 2 hours. If regular regular students might be coming by here to do projects i have no idea i am in my own little separate bubble here and i got ernie duncan coming on the show i got uh uh i got one of the representatives of the uvm women's team coming on the show they're gonna have to tell them like i'm in siberia here trying to get them to come up here so i'm gonna have to say like yeah walk up to the second floor take a right take a left here hopefully people can find me you found me on the internet that's a good enough start uh Okay, Steve, my boss, that's good. Thanks for listening, boss, says the connection is good. Let's hope it stays that way. Um, Man, again, I was all set to use the same computer I used last year, and this room has been totally reworked so that everything I was expecting to use doesn't exist anymore. It's all somewhere else, and there wasn't time to move. So here I am doing this on the laptop. Appreciate those of you who are up early today, those of you who will stop by for all two hours, those of you who will stop by for two minutes, we appreciate it. We're gonna step aside briefly. Mike Tremboli, the former UVM men's basketball star, is gonna call us in on the phone. He's gonna be with us getting us ready here. UVM UMass Lowell, America East Title Game, Nationally Televised on ESPN2. We are live, your Catamount pregame show for the next two hours, all the way up until well, now I guess it's an hour and 45 minutes, up until 10:30. Mike Trimboli, former catamount, to be with us next. He's a member of the UVM Athletic Hall of Fame. And by the way, he was my men's league hoops teammate. He was my men's league hoops teammate. What's his assessment of my game? Those of you who want people to say that I'm bad, we'll ask Mike, see what he says. We'll find out that next year in the Brady Farkas show live at Patrick Gym, the Americans title game here on WDEV's Facebook live page and YouTube channel. Again, Mike Tremboli coming back with us next.
1: Now it's back with Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV radio.com. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Welcome back in everybody. Brady Farkas show live at the America East championship game here on WDEV AM and FM WDEV radio.com and streaming this show also on Facebook live and Let's just start the parade of guests right now, getting ready for this title game against UMass Lowell. Joining us on the phone line, former UVM basketball star Mike Trimboli, four-time all-conference player, 2,000 points, 2,000 assists, UVM Athletics Hall of Famer as of last year, Mike Good morning. How are you? Great, great. I got to keep you UB around. Just follow me around everywhere I, I go. UVM Athletics Hall of Famers.
3: As of all, we appreciate you taking some time early this morning. First and foremost, will you be in attendance at this game today? UVM Athletics Hall of Famers. As of we appreciate you taking some time early this morning. I are going to go to the game as well. in attendance at this game I look forward to it every year. I'm calling it today the UVM Invitational instead of the American East title. So, so, um, look, you're
0: a busy guy career. You got two kids now. Congratulations. How much do you get to follow this
1: team?
3: Um, well, the beauty of technology nowadays is that you could watch every game on on the ESPN. So I've been following them a good amount and I, you know, I stay in touch with Becker a lot and and text with him and, and just let him know that I'm watching, even though I'm not in the stands as much anymore. Um, usually, um, as my, as, as Colin Mack and some of my former teammates know that, um, if I can get to a game game, uh, to support them, and this year has definitely a challenging having our second kid, uh, Brooklyn in November, um, this year was a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, we were, um, we got to the two playoff games thus far with the whole family there. So what has impressed you about the last playoff game was uh, awesome, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh it's funny that you asked that question because I was talking um I was talking to just some people in the basketball community and, and and at halftime of last game. And the thing that has impressed me more than anything else is their offense. Um they they don't have like that one person that's that go to person like you know Vermont has had, you know, historically. Um But everybody plays for each other, and it was very evident in a play last game where a rebound or or an offensive um, or, or a ball was missed and a rebound came off. And instead of that person trying to grab that rebound and put it back, they did everything they could, and they really couldn't get to the ball. If they tried to grab it, they probably wouldn't have gotten it but they tipped it out to somebody else, and then there was three passes and then an open three. Mm-hmm. And it's just like little plays like that and the little things that they do, especially on the offensive side for each other, um, nobody's looking up at the board and seeing how many points they have or how many assists or how many rebounds. I, it looks like they are all out there playing for each other to get wins, and, and that's what has impressed
1: me the most.
0: You know, this team has proven that it can win without Finn Sullivan going off. But at the same time, he's still the player of the year. He's had two points in the uh first playoff game. He had five in the semifinal against Binghamton. As a guy who was a prolific scorer, when you are struggling, what is something you can do to kind of get yourself out of it, get yourself in the flow of the game early?
3: Yeah. Uh really good question. So I, I think for me, if like I think in, in this situation it's a little different because they don't need him to score twenty points to win. And so if I'm in his shoes, really what I'm what I think his focus is is like what can I do to help my team out? Mm-hmm. Um a lot of it, I mean, look at their defense. Like I think being a leader and, and and on the defensive side, like getting stops and making sure you're communicating with your teammates, the offense will come. And and if offense is something that and his like if, if they needed his offense i've always used to try to get to the free throw line yeah. um, to get some easy easy buckets um like that and see the ball go through the rim But i don't in my mind it's it's more so like the intangibles and everything else because i think they just do a great job of of a collective unit on offensively and, and their offense is is awesome to play and i wish i would have played in something like that <laughs> um but i i think that's what he should you know I, if I were in his shoes, that's that's the main part that I would focus on.
0: Finn Sullivan's a transfer. Cam Gibson's a transfer. Dylan Penn's a transfer. Matt Barreto's a transfer. It's certainly a lot different than it was a decade plus ago when you were playing. What do you think of just not so much Vermont, but college basketball in general, where teams are built on guys coming in and out as opposed to homegrown four-year players like yourself?
3: Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, the whole dynamic of the NCAA has changed and, and, you know, them opening it up to allowing things like that to happen. It was a lot more difficult um, when we were playing and really like my, I would say my junior year, so call it 07, 08, was the first time that we were starting to see some of that, a lot of transfer action happening. Um, and so I think UVM has done an awesome job of understanding the change in the environment and going with it as opposed to fighting it and getting guys that they know that are proven and, and can do the job and, and fitting the right pieces together, right? Like there could be some really good players out there that, that might want to come in, but if they don't fit what you're trying to do, you're not going to be successful. And I think, you know, Becker and, and team have done a really good job of, of making those pieces fit into how Vermont's culture is and, and how they perform. You
0: know, what's crazy is that the transfer rules have actually benefited Vermont where they've been getting players that have maybe come down from levels or made lateral moves to Vermont. The fear has always been that Vermont's going to have a player that plays well and then gets stolen by some bigger power. Did anybody ever try to get you to transfer to a higher level?
3: <laughs> of course, there's always there's always <laughs> talks. Um, I had a couple. The the one in particular is I had a buddy um, of mine who played at Houston, University of Houston. <laughs> Uh, and every summer, um, he was, we would always go play back home in Connecticut and he would like, you gotta come, you gotta come. And, um, it, at the time he was, he had a couple of like that previous season, he had a couple of like 40 point games and they just had like a run offense and a sh- uh, shooting threes and everything. So, um, but you know, the loyalty to, to the fans and the loyalty to the program is something that always kept me here. And, and I, I mean, I'm still in Vermont and this is 16 years later, so um, that piece, I think there is just something about Vermont that's very special that people tend not to leave, um, especially for the four years that they're there. You know, you and I have talked about
0: you being a guy that never got to play in the NCAA tournament, but you did play in deep runs in the America East tournament, played in American East title game or two. What were your emotions like on title game Saturday?
3: Um, they were definitely different. Uh, I mean, you got ESPN two in the house. So like, you know, it's an early morning game. Um, so all of those things play into um, the experience of being in that type of situation. And I think, you know, luckily for Vermont, they've they've done it a couple of times um, and and being able to just know how to prepare for a situation like that. It, you can't go into the game and say it's not different because it definitely is. Um, it's a different atmosphere, but you got to embrace um, it especially early on, embrace the jitters. Um, as soon as that ball goes up, but once you start playing, you really don't. None of that stuff factors in. You're 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 reading the game and, and trying to play and win as any other
0: game. How much different would it have been if the America East did the tournament then, like it does now, where you can get the home game at the end and have the championship played on your floor as the top seed?
3: <laughs> you're asking all the right, like. It, <laughs> It's something that we always say all the time, which is like, God, if we could have just had the ability to um, to play at home and not play Albany as a number two seed, then being a number seven seed mm-hmm. at Albany, yeah, like, just like things like that. Um, you know, we we felt it, but you know, that's the way it was, and that was what was the challenge in front of us. And and unfortunately, like my senior year when we played Albany at Albany as a number two seed, like we just, we were, Hey, we had to be the number one seed, right? Like that's, that was our, you know, we got what we got and and that's how it was. And I think my freshman year, we beat Binghamton as a, as like a six or a seven seed um, at Binghamton. So um, the chips fell how they did. And, and I'm just happy that I got to do it with the teammates that I had and, and built those relationships um, with, with those teammates and, and have people on the staff like Becker um that I still talk to on a on a weekly basis so. you know we always talk about
0: what's it like to play in the NCAA tournament with guys I, I am curious you got to play in the NIT I am curious what the environment was like of the NIT
3: It was a lot of fun we um, I mean Kansas, I guess, I Kansas guess it state, all is that who yeah, you yeah yeah we played Kansas state it, it all depends on like the um who you get in it like playing in that um I forget the name of their arena but like it's pretty much a barn um, yeah, and they might be called the barn. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but um, it like they had a full full crowd there, so it was it was like it was it was pretty fun um, in that regard. We we actually played them pretty tough up until you know last couple of minutes of the game, um, and and we really should have pulled it out and, and beat them. But um, obviously, playing in their gym at, at uh, a big Division One big time school, uh, it it didn't fall in our favor, but, um, it it was a really cool experience. You know, I'm going to ask
0: you a question that seems random, but I promise I have a point to it. (laughs) You went to high school in Connecticut. Did you play at a public or a private high school?
3: Um, so I played at two high schools, um, in Connecticut. And so I, the Trinity Catholic was the name of my first high school. So it was a private, um, high school. We played in a public school system, um, called the FCAC, um, the Fairfield County IAC, whatever that stands for, <laughs> um, and uh, and then I um, I was really young for my grade, so I had people that were in a grade below me um, that were older than me. Um, just I started school early and never really took advantage of of that. So um, instead of going to a prep school, I had a I had a uh, high school that was right down the street from me that my AAU coach was a coach of. Um, and I ended up, uh, going there for what they called like a super senior year. It's pretty mm-hmm. much just like a graduate tra- grad year, um, mm-hmm. in, in the, in the college world. Um, but I did that for a year, um, called St. Luke's and New Canaan, Connecticut. Um, and they've had some good players come out of there recently. Uh, a couple guys that played in the America East. Um, and, uh, and so I did that for a year. So, so the reason the reason why i ask is I'm like trust me i won't
0: drag you into this controversy but <laughs> i created a firestorm the other day because i said that i don't believe private schools should be allowed to win state championships against public schools like i don't mind private schools existing i don't mind private schools taking kids from public schools but the problem when private schools go and beat public schools for championships mm-hmm. with the kids they beat i was just curious how other states do this so you said you played in the public school league but when it came playoff time did the private schools get separated out or were they still all
2: together
3: uh they were still all together it was hmm. it was no different and i'll uh let me let me throw this your way and, and you can give me and you can give me some some feedback here um i always feel like if you set up and you go and, and you're doing the right things as a high school basketball coach, mm-hmm. right? Going, and let me give you this example. So I have a nephew who's in eighth grade. Okay. Um, at, and and their champ, they have a middle school league that, that they play against each other. Yeah. The championship game is in the high school, the, okay. the local high school. Yeah. As a high school basketball coach, your, your uh, city's championship for middle school is, ha- is there you mm-hmm. go to that game?
0: Yes, I would go to that game. Okay.
3: No, the, the high school coach of that town was not at that game. Okay. So the reason why I say that is because if you do the right things as a, as a public high school basketball and a public high school basketball coach, your kids shouldn't leave because you should be doing the right things to from when they're young, getting there and, and really developing them and being a part of that community. So that when they get to the point in time where they're making a decision on where they want to go to high school, they have an option and they have a choice. And if you're doing the right things as a high school basketball coach, they you should be keeping those kids in that program.
0: I would now, say... I would say you're right about that. However, we know that kids leave for any number of reasons, right? Kids leave for sports, kids leave for academics, kids leave because that's where their families went, kids leave because of religious affiliation, whatever. So sometimes that doesn't even matter, and a kid's going to leave anyways. What Mm -hmm. I have an issue with is, Mike, you and I play AAU together from age 8 until age 15, and then we see each other in the state championship, and I'm like, and you beat us, and I'm like, that guy should be my teammate and he just dropped 30 on us. And how different would it be if he was actually my teammate?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. Like there's other factors that definitely, that that play into it. Um, I think if I, I hear what you're saying and, and I, I don't dis I don't disagree that there is some potential. I'm more talking about the fact that like, I don't think the kids should be going that way. If these high school public schools are doing the right things. And, and let's, you know, if, if you go to rice, right. Because, you know, the, the tradition of, of winning is there, like there's other opportunities out there. Like, you know, I to to uh, BJ Robertson all the time and, and he develops kids and he, and he does the right things and he helps kids and, and he gets them to the next level. And like, he does some of those things that, like, if I'm a high school kid and if basketball is what I want to do, then I'm going to go to the right place where I'm going to be successful and get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So, yes, education and all that stuff plays into it. But if your focus is to get to that next level and have college paid for, um, mm-hmm. there, there's other things mm-hmm. that, you know, everything takes into account.
0: Mike could run up on on just like here on the Parker Show, uh, I talked a lot this season about me playing men's league hoops alongside of you. And I was talking about our games, when I played well, when I didn't. Then the the winter season, I played terrible. We weren't on the same team. The people want to hear it from you, honestly. How good or
3: bad am I at hoops? I love playing with you. <laughs> I love playing with you. You are, I mean, we won a championship. We did win a championship, unde- undefeated. 10 and, and and we were the one two combo. So <laughs> just gonna throw it out there. No, it it was a lot of fun and um I re- I really enjoyed it. Like getting getting out there and you you can shoot the ball. You can shoot the ball. I would say better jump shot than I than nah, I, I wouldn't yep. go that far. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. I like that's it. You already have tickets to this game. You don't need me to. You
0: don't need me to get you in. So, Mike, man, I appreciate it. I will see you uh, in a couple of hours from now. America East title game, 11 a.m. Obviously, we're counting down to it. Catamounts and UMass Lowell. Mike Tremboli with us here. Mike, we appreciate it, and uh, again, I'll see you in a couple of hours.
3: Awesome, thanks, Brady. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure for sure. That was Mike Tremboli, the former UVM men's basketball standout. You know, look, I think he's been a little, a little facetious. You know, he is clearly significantly better. We all know that we were the one, he very much the one though. That's absolutely a definite. For those of you who think I'm just a, a talking head on the radio who can't do anything athletically, Mike Tremboli's telling you, Hey, I enjoyed playing with you. You have a good shot. You're pretty good. So do with that what you wish. Thank you to Sheldon who's over in Starksboro, who says the stream is coming in strong. Thank you very much, Sheldon. Again, Keep me posted on the comment section. I am out here in the Student Athlete Success Center, which might as well be Siberia at Patrick Gym. And uh, look, it's good. I'm alone. I have the ability to yell as loud as I want to. That's all good. But, you know, I just, I'm a little worried about the internet connection. So keep me posted in the, on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Thanks to Mike Tremboli for stopping by. I'm going to be doubly worried about the internet connection in about 10 minutes because Steph Smith isn't going to stop by the former UVM uh, hoop standout. He's going to join us live on video chat. So we'll get a chance to see Steph. Hopefully it works well. Steph is joining us from Syria. I keep making, or not Syria. Um, where did he say he was? Serbia. Excuse me. So not Syria. Uh, he's going to join us from Serbia. So he must be playing professionally over there. Last time I talked to Steph, he was playing in Canada. So, We'll get a uh, a good talk in with Steph Smith, the former multi-time conference player, America's champion himself here. Getting us ready for UVM and UMass Lowell. I don't want to go down the high school road because this is a day to get ready for college. But I just want to, we, we talked a lot this on the show and a lot this week on social media about the type of high school sport in the state of Vermont. Mike tells you in the state of Connecticut, public and private play together. So it is not just here. public and private play together. Um, again, my idealistic view, private, public and private gets separated come playoff time is not necessarily reality. It happened here. It doesn't happen there. So, um, you know, do with that, what you wish as well. Also, Mike does, he brings up a good point and I agree with him. If you are the coach of a public school, you can do more to keep your kids in the district, right? Be a good role model. Be a figure if they need it. Be a good coach. Be accessible. That's all true. Kids are going to leave anyway. So some kids will leave because of religion. Some will leave for academics. Some will leave because your school is in not a great area. Some will leave because that's where their parents went. Some will leave because they have money and they can just afford it. Kids will leave anyways, no matter how good your high school coach is. But if a high school coach at a public school is excellent, then they are more likely to stay. So I agree with Mike on that. Speaking of high school, The D1 title game in the state of Vermont is tonight, and it is at Patrick Gym. It's Rice and CBU. Rice is the two. CBU is the one. I'm thinking of going to that game. It's at Patrick Gym. This game is 11 o'clock. Going to end a little after one. I'm Going to stick around, do the media thing. Get out of here at 2.30. Go eat lunch. If I can find enough time to kill without having to go home, I'm going to come back here for 7 o'clock and watch that game. I don't. It's to be determined if I can. I'd go get a beer usually, but I can't get a beer and then go to the high school game. That's inappropriate. So we have to see how it's going to end up there. Um, again, plan for the day. Steph Smith stopping by nine fifteen here on video chat. Representative from the UVM women's team. Congratulations to them. On winning the American East title yesterday, going to be with us at 9.30. Jake Marsh, pardon my take, podcast, former UVM broadcaster, 9.45. Ernie Duncan, going to sit down with us at 10. This is like Radio Row of who's who in Catamount Country. When I used to cover the Super Bowl, this is what it was like. Guest, 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 guest. And I don't usually do this on this show, but on this digital show, on this special day, I think it's fun to bring in as many different voices as possible and as many different people who are interested in catamount basketball as i am um all right i want to go here someone asked me brady you seem awfully confident about uvm what's your concern i think uvm is going to win right i think they're going to win by 15 79 64 so i guess i can't lie to you i I don't have many concerns if you are asking me to find one, my concern is about how amped up UVM is. You know what I mean? UVM has this game at home. They're playing for a higher call trying to get into the tournament. They're playing to try to send off Robin Duncan on a high note. So they're coming in with this pent-up energy. Then, you see what the UVM women did yesterday. And... They win it on this floor. And that motivates you even more. Now you go to bed and you're super pumped. Then you come out. You go know to the games on nationally televi- national television. You got the band going. Everybody's all jacked up. I fear a worry where UVM comes out. They're super aggressive, super flying around early, turning the ball over, dribble a ball off the foot, too strong off the backboard with a shot. And then... That adrenaline wears off, and you just kind of crash. That would be my only real concern here. And again, I think UVM wins. But if you're looking for me to find a concern, that would be it. Where you have all this energy, and then eventually you crash. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this team is pretty centered. I think this team is pretty grounded. I think this team... Is a senior laden team that's been here before for the most part and knows how to deal with these emotions. Dylan Penn, even though he hasn't been here, he's been in the Atlantic Sun. This is a this is a bigger, that's a bigger tournament than this one. So everybody has seen what this is like. So I think that would be the only concern that I have really. On the other side of things, if you're looking for me to find another one, UMass Lowell has a big has a big man, excuse me. Last name Kulabale, six foot nine. High level talent doesn't it scores 11 points a game or so? High level talent, six nine. How does UVM handle him? Can they rebound or do they get killed on the glass? Can they defensively battle with him or does he take their lunch money down low? And finally, and most importantly, I think offensively, what does UVM do? to counteract what he can do defensively. He's clearly going to be a guy that you have to think about in the lane. Six foot nine, that's a guy you have to think about in the lane. What do you do with your UVM to mitigate his ability? You get out and run, try to be in transition so he doesn't have a chance to set up? Um, Do you... Try to get your big men on the perimeter where he's uncomfortable. Matt Verretto is certainly comfortable out there. Robin Duncan really isn't. So that would probably be the first thing I would do is try to get him in situations where he has to make a decision to come out to the perimeter where he doesn't want to be, or stay in and allow your guys to shoot from the perimeter. Matt Verretto will hit open three after open three all day long if you leave him there. If UVM can get Verretto on Koulibaly, He's going to get threes, he's going to get looks, and he's going to knock them down. If Robin Duncan is there, then you have two guys that aren't really, you know, that's not Robin Duncan's game. That's not not the best way to utilize him. That's not the best way to get Koulibaly out because he's not going to follow Robin Duncan. So, and then Nick Fiorillo. I'm curious to see what he does because this is a guy who is a starter at the five at the beginning of the year. And Got hurt in the Bahamas at the Thanksgiving tournament. We didn't see him for three and a half months. He came back against Brian a couple weeks ago. Has played 10 minutes here, 8 minutes there, 6 minutes there. Doesn't score a ton right now, but he is, one, absolutely another big body that can guard Koulibaly. And, two, he is absolutely a guy who can hit the jumper. He could bring Koulibaly out, or if Koulibaly doesn't follow him, he can hit the wide open three. Now he hasn't shot it well since he's come back, but that's in his game. That's in his repertoire. That's in his bag of tricks. So I'll be interested to see what UVM does. Aliro Iofalier is certainly athletic enough to stay with Koulibaly. He's the most athletic UVM big man. Verretto is their best shooting big man. Fiorillo was another body there as a big man. And then Duncan, we know what he does. He's just not a three-point shooter. And so I'll be interested to see what... uh, UVM does to, to counteract a six nine force in the middle. Uh, some of you were getting in on the comments, which is great because it shows me, again, internet connection is staying well. Corey says, the anthem is the best. It gets everyone going. Go Cats Eighty three seventy six. So he thinks it's going to be closer than I do. The anthem, usually performed by Dave Grippo. Awesome. You know, he's playing the saxophone and awesome. I, know, I can't play the recorder in fourth grade, but Dave Grippo, the anthem with the saxophone does get everybody going. That is awesome. Joe has the cats winning by 17. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 17. Well, I think it's going to be 15, though. So I certainly could see that. What am I talking about? 79 64. That is my that is my prediction. 79 to 64. I do think it will be closer to early. These games always are, right? I think U.S. Lowell comes out thinking. Hey, we're going to pull the upset. Hey, we got no pressure. Hey, we're going to use the crowd's energy for us. We're going to us against the world. I think everybody comes out flying around defensively. It's, it's slow moving early. And then I think UVM pulls away. I'd be very interested in the start of this game, by the way. I think UVM, if they can get off to a great start, again, it's hard to do that given the circumstances, but if they can get off to a great start, then I think they can... That would be a huge boost, right? If you can get up 11-3 early at the first media timeout, well, then you've got all the momentum on your side right from the tip. So we'll see what happens. I think it tends to be slower early, but UVM, I think, ultimately does pull away. We'll step aside, take a quick break. We'll chat with Smith, the former UVM basketball standout, who's a multi-time all-conference player. He's joining us all the way from Serbia. So... We'll uh, pray the internet connection works for him. Steph Smith going to be with us next here on the Brady Farkas show live at America East championship Saturday, UVM and UMass Lowell on WDEV's Facebook live and YouTube streaming channels. Also my Twitter account as well, which is uh, at WDEV radio. Brady go and follow me. I'm closing in on 2000 followers. I've had that Twitter account for like eight years. I'm just about to hit 2000 followers. Go be number 2000, please. It's been a long battle to get here, Steph Smith next.
1: Now it's back with Rady Park at WDEBAM, FM, and WDEBRadio.com. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, I told you it was going to be a quick break. Reason being, Steph Smith joining us now here, Championship Saturday, live at the America East title game. Catamount's getting ready for UMass Lowell. Steph Smith, former Catamount Hooper, two multi time America East uh, all conference team, and a uh conference champion steph thanks for being with us how are you
4: i'm good brady thanks for having me
0: oh hold well, no, i can't hear you let me see uh i don't know if that's my end or your end though i see your lips moving but i can't hear you and
4: what about now can you hear me now
0: uh let me see i think i got it now go ahead steph are you there yeah i'm there perfect i got you that was my technical difficulty okay. so you're joining us all the way from serbia I'm worried about your internet connection. I'm also worried about my internet connection. They have put me in the student athlete success center where no one else is. And I'm on some kind of shaky Wi-Fi (laughs) myself. So both of our internet uh, connections.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: What is, what's going on with you? You're in, you're in Serbia right now. We spoke back in July, you were playing professionally in Canada. What happened in the last eight months that I don't know about?
4: Yeah, I mean it's been it's been a long journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished up that season in the summer um, in that CBL, and I looked to pursue the G League route. You know, did a few um, workouts, a few open tryouts. Got invited to the Raptors G League uh, training camp, um, and that was a great experience. Was there about two three weeks with them? Played a few scrimmages. Um, unfortunately, I was the last guy cut from the team, so. Uh going from there, I just used it as a learning experience. Um and then I kind of was weighing around see if I could get anything. Uh I ended up actually going to Mexico for a few games, um, playing in the the BCLA's, the uh, basketball champions league Americas. Um and you know, the teams we played against, they had a few, you know, former NBA players, um, uh, you know, a few lotto picks and stuff like that. So it was good. It was a good experience just seeing a different brand of basketball um being in Mexico. Um and then yeah, I got the the call to um come to Serbia as soon as uh, New Year's, New Year's Day. I was on a flight um from Toronto and came over here and um playing in the 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 KLS league over here. Is this
0: typical bouncing league to league to league? Or once you've now found this home in Serbia, is that a place you're gonna stay kind of repetitively unless the states that opportunity comes comes around?
4: Yeah, I think I think it's definitely common. Um overseas to bounce from league to league. Um, you know, a lot of guys that I know have been, you know, France, England, Spain, you know, Germany, um, and they they kind of move over. And, you know, I think for me, this is, this will probably be a, a short term um, spot for me. Uh, I think I'm definitely going to look to try to get either into Western Europe um, next year, um, or, you know, try to, work my way back into the G league route, you know, hopefully have a good campaign this summer. Uh, once again, I'm playing in the CBO, um, and see if I can get, get some looks to to get in the G league. You
0: know, I read a great story the other day in the athletic about the history of basketball in Eastern Europe, where you are now. And, for those who are listening, you might remember those teams, those Yugoslavia national teams from the late 80s and early 90s had a lot of NBA players, Vladi Divac, Tony Kukoc, etc. I don't know where everybody in the NBA is from. I think Jokic is from Serbia. Uh, Luka is from Slovenia. Talk to me a little bit about how basketball crazed they are
4: out there in Eastern Europe. Man, it's it's crazy out here. Um, One of the the team, there's two teams here in Serbia that are, um, well, there's three teams in Serbia here in the Euroleague, league, which is the, the highest um, competition club competition. But, um, you know, I haven't got a chance to go to a game yet, but I mean, I've seen the videos and you know, there's fans, you know, they got fireworks in the stadiums, they're jumping the whole game, singing songs, the whole game. And, you know, obviously it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous atmosphere. You know, they're very passionate about uh, basketball over here and you know, the players here are very skilled. Like you said, you know, Luca is from this area, this Balkan area. There's a lot of skilled basketball players. Um, And, you know, it just shows with how passionate the, the fans are. You know, you can, you can either love them or hate them, Um, but they're, they're going to, they're going to show how passionate, how passionate they are about their basketball.
0: Goran Dragic, another longtime uh, Eastern European NBA player, the guard used to play for the heat Mavericks and a bunch of other teams. We're talking with Stephs. Sp- Smith, former catamount guard with us here on the brady Farkas show we are live at uh well we're by ourselves right now fan fest is going on below us here getting ready for the east title game uvm and umass lowell uh let's talk a little bit about your time in catamount country obviously let's see if i get my years right first year your freshman year that was the loss at the buzzer Mm -hmm. to UNBC, was it not
4: yep unfortunately
0: Take me through Take me through what's going through your mind as Jarris Lyles hits that three. That was one of the worst days in Catamount Country. but relive it for me because the next year
4: was a lot better. We'll get to that in a second. I was going to say, I can't make me relive this, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just playing that game, obviously being a freshman, that was a crazy atmosphere. You know, the intensity was just on super high. And I think we – I don't remember exactly what the time was, but I think we struggled to make a field goal for like seven, eight minutes. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, we know the scout, you know, we know who Lyles was as a player, you know, he's a really good player. And, you know, sometimes at the end of games, it's just, it's just 50, 50, especially with a guy like that um, that has the ball in his hands. And, you know, as soon as he shot it, I was like, I was, I didn't feel, I didn't feel right when he shot it and it went in and, you know, it was it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking, especially just to see you know how much it meant for the, the seniors. You know, coming from the year before, going undefeated, um, you know, making to the tournament, you know, trying to get back to that that stage. And um, yeah, it was really tough loss. Really tough loss.
0: Next year, you get a rematch against UMBC. You're a sophomore, more prevalent role, huge part of the team. You win that game, I believe, by 17. Talk to me about what the emotions were like that mm-hmm.
4: day. Yeah, that was amazing. It, it was funny, too, because UMBC, I think they beat us. I think they beat us twice in the regular season that year, if I'm not mistaken. I know Anthony was out um, one of those games, and, you know, it was kind of like, all right, you know, this is the rivalry now, and we got to get them back. We got to avenge the seniors from the year before. We got to avenge the the losses that they, they you know, gave us in that season, so um, that was just an amazing experience, man. Uh, you know, we, we, I just had a feeling we weren't going to lose that game. You know, we came out, we were so dialed in on the scout, um, leading up to that game we were dialed in on our principles. You know, we knew what we had to make, um uh, new adjustments we had to make to prevent them from, you know, scoring. I think they scored around 49 points or 50 points, you know, it was a, yep. we, we, we did a really good, good job on defense. So, uh, that was a great experience. You know, I just remember. Myself spinning the ball on, the, on my finger, you know, r- running the shot clock down and, um, you know, just amazing experience. One of the best things that's ever happened in my life, for sure.
0: We're just going to go year by year. Talk to me about the next year because that's the COVID year. We're getting, And that was crazy, too, because I remember you had beaten UMBC in the semifinal. We're getting ready for a final here against Hartford. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think the semi was on Tuesday we have the game. They think we're gonna have the game with no fans. Then the game gets canceled, and then all of a sudden the season is over and nothing's gonna happen. What was that week like for you?
4: Yeah, that was a that was a crazy week. Um and you know, that year, I really felt like that year was the year we were gonna make some some noise um in the tournament. You know, we had you know, we had DG who brought us, you know, some some really good size at the five position. Um, you know, Anthony was was playing well. Everett was really playing well, especially near the end of the regular season, and the postseason. Um, you know, Ben was coming into his own too, and so I feel I think that uh, that was really the year for us to to go ahead and make some noise. Um, and you know, that game against UMBC was was amazing. You know, we won that, and I kind of just remember like, I think if, I think it was like a day before, a few days before, we were hearing news about you know this this virus and you know it's starting to spread, and we're not really sure what the um what was gonna happen and then they told us okay we're gonna they're gonna cancel the the conference tournament finals we're gonna win and they're gonna try to figure out how to do march madness and then i think it was like a few hours later they're just like yeah march madness is canceled the season's done uh it was really bittersweet because you know i think we we really wanted to play more basketball and we felt that you know we had what it take to you know make a deep run in the tournament
0: next year you come back we have a season 14 conference games is all we play. I think two got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. You guys end up losing in the semifinals. No fans all season, at least here. And that's mm-hmm. how your time in Catamount Country ends. What was that season like in general? Because we have stories of how tough it was. You know, the women's team canceled their season, those six games into it, because it was, it was hard on them. What was that season like in
4: general? Yeah, that was the strangest season ever. You know, like you said, no non conference and, um, I mean, you can even you can you you know how important um, the non-conference schedule is, especially for us, you know, as a mid-major program uh, playing, you know, a few high majors, getting some different looks and stuff like that helps, you know, helps find your identity as a team for that season. So we didn't get that opportunity. Um, It was hard to get into the gym and, you know, there's specific time slots that you had to get in the gym, you know, you couldn't get extra work in in the mornings and nights and stuff like that. You know, we started playing games and we stopped. Then we started again, stopped. It was a lot. There's a lot of things. Um, And obviously, those aren't excuses for why we lost. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough mentally. I think the mental side of it was was the hardest thing, you know, with uh, you're not knowing if you're playing, you know, you're traveling on a bus, you know, going to a road game. And you know that at any time they could be like, you know, we got to go back because someone has COVID on the team. And so um, it was a tough loss, you know, especially that was a really that was a good Hartford team. And I know that they ended up playing Baylor first round, you know, um, stuck with them a little bit. And Baylor ended up winning it that year. But um, yeah, that was a that was a tough team. And it was a tough game to lose, uh, especially with no fans. uh, And, you know, the fans fans at Catamount Country are always amazing. That's always a, a bonus for us.
0: Steph Smith with us here on the Brady Farkas show live at Patrick gym fan fest is going on below us. We're taking you up until 10 30 here on the WDEV Facebook live channel here. Um, we have talked before you went and did that, that COVID year, that grad year, I guess at St. John's. I mm-hmm. know how much you enjoyed that, but. So I won't ask if you regret not staying here. Cause I know you don't, but it's part of you ever think what it would have been like if you had played that fifth year here and you were on this team last season.
4: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll always stand by the fact that I don't regret um, I don't regret leaving. And I think it was good for my development and, you know, everything happens for a reason. But obviously, like you said, I who wouldn't want to play, you know, in Catamount country again, you know, especially for me, I was blessed to experience, you know, three full years of, um, you know, the fans and the atmosphere and all that stuff. And, you know, seeing those guys go to the tournament, I was really happy for them, you know, I, really happy for happy for Ben you know coming from you know being a walk-on to you know that's just a great story and that's that was like my my best friend on the team that's my brother so you know obviously I would have loved to to play again um in front of the fans and um go to the tournament again you know obviously that didn't happen I chose my route um and like I said I, I still don't regret it to this day
0: you know talk to me a little bit how much you know you've been bouncing around Mexico, Serbia, how much are you getting a chance to follow this team and follow their ride and if you have gotten a chance to really watch them, what do you like about this squad?
4: Yeah, so I mean, within honestly probably up to before I got here because there's a six hour difference here, so it's it's three thirty right now, but um when I was in Mexico and before that you know I was watching watching the team, even I came down to Burlington um, in the summer. <laughs> Um, you know, I was working out, um, training and um, you know, visiting Emma who's who's my girlfriend on the team and shout out to her for, for winning that, that championship and the, the women's the women's team for winning that championship that's big. But you know, I remember coming to Burlington the summer and you know, JB kind of brought me in and um huddled everyone up and was like this is this is a you know alum. And it was weird because you know, I still felt like I was I was just there the other day. But you know, seeing the guys that were on the team um, it's like a whole different team. You know, they got a whole, a a lot of different people on the roster. So, um, I knew it was going to be tough for a non-conference schedule. I mean, that was one of the toughest non-conference schedules they've had, you know, so, um, being away on the road for, you know, virtually like a month is, is really tough. So, you know, I think a lot of people probably panicked early and said, you know, they're not going to be so good this year. They're not doing well, but um, you know, when a program like that, you know, has someone like JB and that coaching staff and, you know, guys like AD and Robin and, you know, that have been there and have seen what it takes, you know, eventually things are going to turn. And, you know, even talking to uh, Dylan and Finn when I was over there, you know, I just told them, yo, you guys just got to be leaders and and, you know, it might be tough at times, but, you know, I know you guys are great players and, you know, it's just, you just got to stay with it, stay consistent. And I think, you know, that non-conference slate prepared them for, for the conference. And, you know, once again, regular season champions. And I think, you know, they'll have a really good chance today to, to raise that trophy once again and, and punch their ticket.
0: Steph, I'll get you out of here on this. I I'm on record as saying it. I think UVM wins this game 79 to 64. I got a 15 point victory. So I'm not overly concerned, but if you're asking me to find one worry, here's one worry. This team saw the women yesterday win, as you alluded to, right? You're at the game. You see the emotions of it. You see you get raised. Now you're all jacked up. Then they're playing for a little bit of a higher call, trying to get Dylan Penn to the tournament, which he couldn't do last year when he was at Bellerman. So you go to bed. You're all hyped up. You're going to come out. You're all hyped up. You're going to play real hard and real fast for the first five or six minutes, and then eventually you kind of crash the question for me to you is how do you handle all of those emotions so that you can play a full 40 minutes as opposed to you know 20 minutes only
4: it's all mental preparation and it's funny you say all that because i remember um, my sophomore year playing in that championship game you know the night before i did a lot of meditating you know kind of just calm calm myself you know watch a little bit of film and it was funny because i could not sleep that whole night i probably got three hours of sleep and You know, I ended up getting up real early, getting some shots up and stuff like that, but it's really just about mentally preparing yourself and you got to lean on the guys that, you know, have been in those situations before, you know, luckily, you know, there's a handful of those guys that have been in that position and, you know, it's really going to come down to defense, Um, you know, as we just saw with the the women's team, it it came down to defense, you know, offense struggled, you know, on both ends. And, um, you know, I think if they follow the scout, and you know, our discipline on on how they you know want to guard UMass Lowell and, and do all that, they're going to be fine. I think there's going to be some some jitters at the start, you know, some shakiness. But once you get into that game, um, I don't I don't see them you know crashing. I think they're going to be you know playing 40 minutes hard, and it's going to be another great great game, a great win. And you know, it's going to come down to defense.
2: Well,
0: that's what we're hoping for. 79-64 is my prediction. Steph Smith won an American East title here at UVM. He won it on this floor. He's now playing professionally overseas. Continue to follow him. He joins us all the way from Serbia. Steph, man, thanks for making some time with us here on this Saturday morning, your Saturday afternoon. Enjoy the game, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again down the road at some point soon.
4: For sure, Brady. Thank you. Keep doing a great job. Thank you
0: very much. There goes Steph Smith He uh, with us here on the UVM Basketball pregame show talk with him as well as always and uh what we're going to do next we're going to take a quick break uvm women they get the victory yesterday over uh u albany a defensive slugfest it was ryan zimmerman the voice of the catamount women he's going to be with us here next on wdev's facebook live and youtube channel we'll be right back from the america east title game i'm brady
1: Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show live at the America East Championship here on WDEV's Facebook Live and YouTube channel. I want to thank our great uh, listener here, Jane Ann, who said great interview with Steph Smith. Steph Smith was awesome, and I uh, appreciate him joining us all the way from Derby, a former multi-time all-conference selection for the Catamounts and America East champion helped lead the cats to the NCAA tournament The game. They played really well against Florida State. Another member of that team, Ernie Duncan, is going to be with us uh, at about 10 o'clock. Jay Hirsch, the former voice of the UVM men's basketball team, current Barstool sports personality is going to be with us here in about 10 minutes. But right now, we are joined specially, as you can see, we're trying to make us both fit in the camera. It's Ryan Zimmerman. He is the voice of the UVM women's basketball team. As that amounts, win the America East title yesterday by beating Albany in what was a defensive barn burner, 38-36, to 36, the lowest America East uh, final
5: score in the history of the conference. Ryan, man, thanks for being with us. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm feeling really good about last night. I still can't believe it happened the way it happened you know, it's probably the most on-brand Vermont win that you could you could imagine, you know, with Coach Kresge and all of her defensive intensity and all of her defensive preparation. But, hey, they got the job done. I'm feeling good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, of course. So, give me a little bit of your background. This is our first time we've actually met. I've listened to your work. I enjoy it. We've interacted oh, thank on Twitter. You. I really appreciate that. Yeah, we've we've interacted on Twitter a little bit. Give me a little bit of your background before we get into the game yesterday.
5: So, Born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Ended up going to school at the University of California, Berkeley. A
0: non-Syracuse guy. Nice yeah, to see a non-Syracuse yeah. guy hired around here.
5: It's funny. Uh, when I went through my first round of interviews for, for Learfield to get this job, the guy I talked to was like, you know what? A lot of Syracuse guys have had this opportunity, and as good as they are, I really want to give this to a non-Syracuse oh, guy. That's good. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really know how to respond to that. But... <laughs> You know what? I'll take it. But yeah, University of California, Berkeley graduate, go Bears. Um, The majority of work I've done, though, is mostly in baseball. Yeah. Uh, Just being in California for college, baseball is really easy to do just because you can play a lot more games. The weather's a lot better. And, you know, just starting out, that was the sport that really got me going. I've also done a good amount of football and basketball. But once i started doing this for real and taking it seriously it's mostly baseball i I, uh spent a summer back in 2019 in the new england collegiate baseball league would have been back in 2020 for the cape cod league but we all know what happened there Uh, i spent six months starting in august of 21 as a graduate assistant at delta state university which is a dts mississippi yep you got it yeah Uh, cleveland mississippi (laughs) uh and it feels the like the
0: blue devils, the red devils, the devils in
5: Mississippi Valley state. That's the, they're the Delta devils.
0: Okay. Well, but well I so spent close. six
5: months there. And after that, I got the job that I have that I compliment Vermont women's basketball with, and that's working for the Gary South Shore Railcats huh. in the American association of professional baseball.
0: Very, very cool. So good ride for you to get to Burlington. To me yesterday, there was one, there were two reasons that UVM won. One is defense. Obviously, you hold a team to twenty plus percent shooting and thirty six points. Defense is a part of it. The other thing was that outer back. Like that to me, that's why UVM won on the women's side. Her athleticism. She was. She is the one player who is athletic enough. And it's no knock on anyone else. She's just super athletic. She had the athleticism to counteract what you he was doing defense she was the one player that could really create off the dribble and get to the basket she forced a bunch of steals got out in transition to me she was the separating factor do you see it the same way
5: I do yeah and you you hit the nail right on the head there I thought that stretch in the second quarter where she had three steals in a row or something three steals (laughs) in a minute and when she got that and one off of the foul on the fast break I was thinking yeah this needs to be her game that she needs to take, over and she did. And you know, without her, the way that the rest of the team was playing—no disrespect to them—it was just one of those games. They were getting the right looks; nothing was going in for either team. But yeah. great players find a way to get it done in the clutch situation. The EU did just that.
0: It was awesome yesterday. Also, shout out uh, Bellavito is a player. We don't—at least I don't talk about as much because we're so focused on the four starters for that team that score a lot: Olson, Richardson, Ellerback, and, and Gilwee. That Bellavito kind of goes underreported on. She hit there was a point where it was 10-7, like deep in the first half. She hit a contested jumper to make it 12-7. I thought it was big. And had four or five offensive rebounds. She had nine rebounds total for the game, I think. I thought she was an awesome, kind of underrated piece of yesterday's victory.
5: Yeah, she's someone that I really enjoy watching play. Uh the way I describe her, she's the old timer Yeah. She doesn't always score, but she always finds a way to impact the game whether it's playing tough defense whether it's grabbing those offensive rebounds and continuing possessions whether it's you know boxing out whether it's chasing down a loose ball she's going to give 100 effort all the time and it's going to make the team better and and that i really love about her game she is just so selfless
0: how about anna olsen getting 15 rebounds or something yesterday that's
5: just Par for the course with Anna, right? I yeah. mean, three Vermont players had 10-plus rebounds. Bella wow. was one of them, and, and Delaney was the other in addition to Anna. But I was working with Bernie Saplicki last night on the game. That was his, one of his big keys, winning the rebound battle. And those are just three examples of players that really took that to heart. They crashed the boards. Anna obviously had a bunch of success. She had, I believe, seven in the first quarter. or Not, not even the first quarter, like the first five minutes. She had mm. that one possession – where she missed a couple shots, grabbed her own rebound twice, and then fought through contact to earn the and one. But that's just something this team really places a high premium on, being able to rebound the basketball, create more possession for yourself, take them away from the other team. And if you do that, you're going to win games. And they they showed that last night. I think they're 53 rebounds as a team. Either that ties an America East record or it's really close to it. It
0: would have to come close. You know, you you miss all those shots, as he did. You have a lot of chances to get rebounds, and (laughs) you miss some of your own shots like UVM did. You have a chance for offensive rebounds, too. Ryan Zimmerman, voice of the Catamount Women, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, live at the America East title game. We are an hour and 20 minutes here from tip-off, and uh, Jake Marsh is going to be with us in a little while, and Ernie Duncan's going to stop by at 10 o'clock and you can comment as well, by the way, on the live stream. And if you have any questions for Ryan or any comments on the UVM women and uh, what a great run this has been for them, they have won 17 games in a row now. And I think it's, it's going to be nice for them. I think they've responded well to pressure all year, but to be the underdog, to go into a game now in the NCAA tournament where they're not going to be favored, they're not going to have the pressure of having to win and have, I, I think That's a nice relief for anybody in a mid or low major conference who goes through the year with all the pressure on their back. Now they're going to get to play free again in a way they haven't played in three and a half
5: months. Oh, 100%. And that's why you see all those upsets in March, both on the men's and women's side. Those players play like nothing to lose because they don't. And no one expected St. Peter's to go out and win three games in the tournament, get one win away from the final four and I think Great. All these yeah. players, they relish the opportunity. They don't know when the next one's going to come. It's never guaranteed, especially at a mid major in a one bit league, like the America East conference. So when you're in that position, you want to do everything you can to take advantage of the opportunity. And I know these players are going to do just that. And whoever they draw in the first round, I think they're going to give them a game.
0: You know, I don't know what seed they're going to get. We're going to find out obviously tomorrow in selection Sunday. I don't know if they're going to end up with a, uh, it is, is it Sunday or is it Monday? It is Sunday. Okay, it it's is Sunday. That's what Sunday I
5: right after the men's draw. Okay, so,
0: you know, we don't know who they're going to draw. We don't know what seed they're going to be. But I'll say this. If they get as high as a 14, I don't know if they will, you know, I, I could see them pulling an upset. We we do see, I feel like, more upsets on the women's side, especially the lower seeds on the women's side. I remember when I worked at Albany, we saw Albany beat Syracuse. That was a 12-5 matchup. I don't think UVM is going to get that high, but it does happen out of this conference, and it does happen on the women's side. I also think that UVM comes to the table with a really good starting five, and as long as they stay out of foul trouble, which is a huge concern potentially, but if they stay out of foul trouble, I think those five
5: can play with some of these top dogs. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I think they have the skill set in order to do that, and I think the big reason that is just their speed. Emma Utterback can go down the floor in the blink of an eye. It seemed. I mean, you saw that last night, yeah. and you couple that with Cat Gilwey's ability to shoot, that plays in any conference, Delaney and Anna, just know their role so well defensively, and they're the kind of stretch posts that you know can open up space on the floor. They both have range to knock down threes and really open up the floor for other players on the team. I think the way that they play basketball, it really does translate well to March. And given that, you know, teams have... Teams in the bigger conferences maybe haven't played against a team like that. I I can't really speak to any of the Power Five power conferences, but I believe it's a more physical game in those conferences and they don't really see teams try to space the floor like like vermont does and that could cause some problems
0: remind me early uh, early non-conference uvm has been tested they went on the road at indiana blah that was the first game of the year indiana is a top five team in the nation on the women's side so uvm has played some of the best who else did they see in the non-conference
5: uh, the last non-conference game was Holy Cross at Holy Cross. Was
0: there another big... There was one other...
5: There's Duquesne, too. That okay, might be what, what you're thinking of. Yeah. Those are probably the biggest two for me. Okay. Also, Delaware, they made the tournament last year. Okay, They beat us at home back in November.
0: So, the Indiana game is certainly the game you would point to and say, okay, that's the best team they've played by far. They did not fare well, but this, team, this team has grown exponentially in the four months since they saw Indiana, which is... Somewhere around Veterans Day, you know, early November in that time. Ryan Zimmerman, you got a fan. Becca says on the. on the facebook stream that we love ryan is that your is that your aunt or something
5: that's our strength and conditioning oh, coach okay. I, was, well, I apologize back in <laughs> then for not for not really we love that. you
0: too so my my mistake there so she's in the family so we're glad to uh oh yeah to have her watch it here we are live at the Americas east championship game he's ryan zimmerman voice of the uvm women's basketball team and uh, the catamounts are going dancing they'll find out they're a Opponent and destination tomorrow on Selection Sunday. Ryan, enjoy the men's game here. Today. I will see you. you See you down there in an hour and 15 or so. We're going to have Jake Marsh, the former voice of the UVM men and current Barstool Sports personality with Pardon My Take. He's going to join us next here in the Brady Farkas show live from the American WDEV's Facebook Live YouTube Live channel and always streaming at my Twitter account at WDEV Radio Brady.
1: Now it's back to the Brady Parker show on WDEV AM FM and wdevradio.com. Yeah, yeah.
6: I'm great Brady. Thanks for having me on great
0: Welcome back into the America East title game pregame show here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. A little premature there on the, uh, I asked a question and didn't hear, you know, I asked a question, but I was muted, but he heard me. So here we go. Let's three, two, one, back at it here from the America East title game to pregame show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEV devradio.com always our facebook channel as well joining me now let's do this properly is the former voice of the uvm men's basketball team it is jake marsh he has spent two seasons in catamount country a couple years ago he is now off to barstool sports where he has been working with the famed pardon my take podcast big cat and pft one of the most successful podcasts in the industry and jake is with us now here on wdev jake thank you for being with us take two thanks for joining our uh, our pregame show how are you buddy
6: I'm great, Brady. Thanks for having me on. Great to be back in the 802 airwaves uh, for the first time in a while. Obviously, a very exciting day today with the the American East Championship game tipping off shortly.
0: Rumor has it you're going to be in the building today. You're based in New York now with Barstool. Rumor has it I'll be seeing you in the flesh in a couple
6: of hours. That is a confirmed rumor. I decided I was watching the semifinal game. Uh, a few days ago, of course, beating Binghamton, Vermont. And I was, I'm in a group chat with Ernie Duncan, Everett Duncan, and a couple of the managers that were there when I was there. They convinced me to come. It was a last-minute decision. I said, screw it. I'm coming up. How many times have you got to do this? right? So go to the America's championship game. Like, I guess Vermont, they've been spoiled. They get to do it a lot. But as a fan, I've never been to Patrick Gym as a fan. I'm very excited wow. for that, uh, let alone for the championship game. So it should be a lot of fun.
0: You know, it's hard to believe it's been so many years since you were here, and uh, the first year you were in Catamount Country, Cats got to the America East title game, won it, and uh, got to the tournament against Florida State. What do you remember about the America East championship day in your own experience and win over UMBC that year?
6: Yeah, the 11 a.m. tip-off still hasn't changed, and I think I woke up before my alarm. I probably woke up at like 6.30 or (laughs) 7.00. on championship Saturday because there's so much adrenaline. There's so many nerves too, right? You're you're with the team day in and day out for the entirety of the season. So you feel like a member of the team. I remember when the Catamounts lost when I was with them, like it hit me hard. I'm like, I'm not a player or a coach, but like I had trouble sleeping. It wasn't fun when they lost. It was fun when they won. Um, so I remember I was very nervous. I, I It was it was crazy experience. And then, of course, they beat UMBC. I'll never forget the score, 66-49. Of course, that was a revenge game, too, because the year before, they lost at the buzzer, and UMBC went to the tournament in 2018, and we know how that went. But, uh, yeah, Championship Saturday at Patrickton was by far one of my favorite sports memories I've had to this day.
0: Yeah, that was crazy, too, because in all the years I've been here – Two years prior to that, the championship game against Albany was actually the best American championship game, the most competitive American championship game. That mm-hmm. game was in the balance with, with 90 seconds to go.
6: That but was the undefeated the, season, right?
0: Yes, they went 16-0 and 0 in the league that year and then uh, went on to play Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, Kurt Steidel tore his ACL right before halftime, which was a terrible blow to that team, which had a chance to pull the upset there. But that UMBC game that you called, there was an edge in the building that day because of what had happened the year before where Jairus Lyles hits the three over Trey Bell Haynes right at the buzzer. There was a, a distinct edge in Patrick Jim that year that you were there.
6: Vermont in 2019 was not losing that game. There was no shot they were losing that game after what had happened the year before. You could just sense it in the practices. You could sense it in the locker room. They were not letting UMBC come into Patrick Jim and cutting down the nets for two straight years. I think the best thing that happened to them last year was losing the previous year because it put a chip <laughs> on their shoulders unlike ev- anything I've ever seen before in a team.
0: And what's nuts is in that title game, Robin Duncan got five minutes of playing time in that championship game, and here he is now four or five years later, and he's going to be one of the big pieces in this game. But still, Robin Duncan is the only link, I believe, and Derek O'Grady maybe be on the other side, from your time here uh, to now.
6: Uh, on that team, yes. Uh, Aaron Deloney, Nick, Nick Fiorillo, they were oh, freshmen my second year. But in that 2019 championship team, yes, he is the lone player remaining, (laughs) Derrick O'Grady. I was actually texting with uh, former associate head coach Kyle Saplicki last night, and uh, we were talking about how it's Robin's last game at Patrick. And we were thinking, wow, this is the last game with Duncan at Patrick. What, nine years? 10 years it's been? What a run for that family. And the (laughs) game I called the tournament game against FSU, all three were on the floor at the same time, which was so cool.
0: Jake Marsh, Parstel Sports, with us here. The Pardon My Take podcast, the most successful sports podcast out there. Former voice of UVM men's basketball. Here we are. I'm live upstairs, uh, just of Patrick Jim, getting ready for the game against UMass Lowell, the America East title game. That first year, you got to call a conference championship game, an NCAA tournament game against Florida State, and you got to go to Kansas, as I recall, for the first game the first real game of your UVM tenure. What was the the
6: biggest memory of that first year in Catamount country? I would say it's going to Lawrence, right? I, I get this awesome job right out of college and I pull up the Vermont schedule and I see game one or game two, Kansas game three or four Louisville on the road. So I'm That's like, right. Oh my God, this is, this is so cool that I'm getting to do all these games and these really cool spots. Uh, Vermont was hanging around in that game, as they always do against these high major teams. But that was such a cool experience. And then year two, they finally broke through against the high major team. They beat St. John's in New York City. Uh, got to play the, the then defending against Virginia. They they were, I think they lost by like six. Anthony Lamb went off. That it was game was close. Yeah, so it was really cool. And I thought they were going to win it all again. They had the championship set up against Hartford in 2020, but of course COVID hit, and that was the end of Myron in Burlington.
0: Yeah, that that stunk too. And you have the rare distinction of, uh, you know, not having your broadcasting tenure here have ended on a loss. So you uh, you get to end with an American semi-win that year. Yeah. What a buzzkill, obviously, you know, COVID in general was. But just to lose the championship game, we still thought we were going to play it. Then we were going to play it with no fans. And it was like everything mm-hmm. got canceled around us. That was a
6: whirlwind week. It was awful. Um, and <laughs> – UMBC had always been such a pain in the butt to Vermont, so Vermont was coming off an emotional semifinal win against UMBC. In that semifinal game, I remember, I remember Everett Duncan had the game of his life too. He was as hot as ever. Lamb was obviously Lamb. Uh, Daniel Giddens, the senior, he was he was in the mix. Uh, it was a really good team. It's a shame they got never got to play Hartford in that title game, but that's how it went.
0: It's funny. I remember I had a great interview with uh, Trey Bell Haynes pre-recorded that I was going to play on the Friday before the championship game. And it never got to run because the game was postponed and it was therefore irrelevant. But it was one of my favorite interviews I ever did and no one ever got to hear it.
6: It's a shame. COVID hit. (laughs) Everyone everyone got screwed, but it is what it is.
0: you know, we talk about UVM beating Binghamton in the semifinals. Were you here, The was it your year when Steph Smith went off and went for, like, almost 30 against Binghamton? And I think it was a semi, too, where his mom had braided his hair. That was the big story, the game yep. before where Steph Smith just went off. That was an awesome game.
6: That was my uh, first year with Vermont. That was the semifinals. And you know what's interesting, the backstory behind that game, I think Steph Smith hit seven or eight threes in that game. Yeah, Something along those lines. But the crazy thing was is, Binghamton in that semifinal, they were a seven seed. They pulled off a colossal upset a few days prior against number two, Stony Brook. And that just flipped the entire bracket upside down because Vermont got number eight, Maine. And then the American East So They went from number eight, Maine to number seven, Binghamton in the semis. So the bracket definitely fell in their favor. I mean, Vermont was clearly the most talented team in the league that year too. But I remember Binghamton was coming off the biggest win of their season. And then Steph Smith just put up a career night.
0: Well, very that was awesome. And uh, the program put on Instagram the other day, highlights of that game, which brought back good memories. Let's talk a little bit about you. You're done broadcasting UVM games, but you are over at Barstool now. And uh, you're working with Pardon My Take, which, again, is just a, a great podcast, highly successful. But you're also calling games there. Barstool has gotten more into the broadcasting rights realm. You called college football, got a bowl game this year. Barstool did some college hoop stuff earlier this year. So you're still making waves on the airwaves uh, outside of podcasting at Barstool. Very cool.
4: Yeah.
6: Thank you. Yeah. We had the Barstool Sports Arizona bowl in December, Ohio beat Wyoming in overtime. That was awesome to be part of. We had the Barstool Sports Invitational at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, the double header between UAB and Toledo, which the time this is airing, we'll know if two of those teams are dancing. They're (laughs) definitely, if they make the dance, they will be popular picks. Uh, and Mississippi State and Akron were in it too. Been doing some games on the side here with some schools locally in New York City, Manhattan, Iona. Uh, so yeah, definitely still want to do play-by-play stuff and trying to get as many reps in as possible.
0: It's amazing how much better UVM now is now than when they played Iona, by the way. Like, they got just rolled by Iona, at Mohegan son, earlier this year. UVM, I don't I mean, you certainly do pay attention. I don't know if you're watching every game like we are, but they were rough at the beginning of the year. No size, couldn't hit shots from the outside, trying to re in a Dylan Penn into the offense after his injury. They have come so far. In the, the three months since we saw them play Iona, four months, I guess, since back in November, they, they've they come a long way for sure.
6: Yeah, I remember watching the early portion of the season, that California road trip, and that was brutal. Uh, you get smoked by St. Mary's. The Fullerton game was a heartbreaker, double overtime. And then USC, they almost beat them too. And then that just trickled back down to the East Coast. with Iona lose by 21. Yale lose by 29. And then they had that tournament, uh, in the Bahamas, they lost two games there, and you're like, what's going on? Two and seven? <laughs> but then they get on a little bit of a winning streak, uh, and then the Americans play. They reassert their dominance in that conference as they somehow, some way, do every single year. Every year, people say, all right, this is the year Vermont falls off. And no matter what happens today in Patrick Jim, what a run in this league for this team and Coach Becker.
0: I saw him lose in December against uh Toledo at patrick Jim. I gotta think that's like maybe one of only two home losses I feel like I can remember ever seeing at Patrick Jim. I saw him lose to u n c Greensboro one year. You might have been on the call yeah, that year. Sure. I can't remember, but like that loss in Toledo are the only two home losses I can recall.
6: yeah, it doesn't happen often, and uh, I'm sure. A lot of people are expecting Vermont to win this game today, but UMass Lowell is a very good team, much better squad than when they when I was involved in the America East. Because done a tremendous job turning around that program, kind of yeah. a still newish team in D1, right? They joined, I think, in like 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they're 40 minutes away from cutting down the nets too is is awesome.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. The game time here is, uh, you know, an hour and a half or so from now or two hours at uh, Catamounts and UMass. Well, hey, you've been at the Duncan brothers. Get Ernie to answer my text so we can get him on here uh, in the next couple of minutes, all right?
6: I will put in a word. You have my <laughs> word that I will put in a word.
0: Jake Marsh, former UVM broadcaster, now big deal over at Barstool Sports. Pardon my take podcast. You can check him out. You can follow him on Twitter at pmt sports biz biz with a z. And uh, he's a good follow there, especially here around hoop season. Also, Jake man, look forward to uh, seeing you in person here in a couple of hours. And uh, thanks for coming on.
6: Thank you, Brady. Excited to be back in Burlington for this big game. See if the Cats can get it done once again.
0: Yeah
1: like cat I can get talked with them early in the week, but Jake pulled some good news next. Right in the
0: show, Patrick Jim here on WDEV's Facebook page, YouTube channel, and streaming on WDEV Radio. Brady, Ernie Duncan, co- next.
1: Now it's back to the Brady Parker show on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, welcome back in America East Championship Saturday. We are now less than one hour from game time. I'm Brady Farkas here inside Patrick Jim's. You know, I don't know the depths of Patrick Jim here at the uh, Student Resource Center, I believe, is we're officially calling this thing. So, joining me now, trying to fit ourselves into the camera, we do what we can. Is Ernie Duncan, former multi-time All Conference player and multi-time America East champion here? Ernie, thank you for being with us. man. Great, thank you. Well, I appreciate you being with us. You obviously have a Interesting dynamic here at play for you this year, right? You played for the program. You've got a brother still in the program. how how do you watch this team? When you watch games, how are you able to watch?
2: Yeah, I mean I would say every game I'm you know definitely nervous. Like I still have that kind of feeling that like almost I'm playing, yeah, just because Robin's out there. I want to see him do well. I want to see the team do well. I'm still close to Becker and you know a bunch of guys on the staff. So definitely like almost every game day I still have that you know little sense of like, oh, I'm playing today. Um, so it's, it's been a fun season watching them now.
0: Watching your brother, man, I've been so impressed by what Robin has done this year. Changing positions, changing positions, essentially mid season as, as a, just a fan of basketball yourself. How impressive is it? What he's been asked to do and what he's been able to do.
2: Yeah, really impressive. I think the big thing, and you know, he's having fun. Like he's from the beginning of the year, he was just like, when I would talk to him, be like, ah, it's my last year. I'm going to just go out and have fun enjoy every single day. Um, you know, appreciate everything from coaches to the fans, awesome community, community we have, but watching him, you know, coming to his own, his last year has been really good. You know, I think um, he kind of, he never really found himself year in, year out. I mean, he had a lot of guys ahead of him, from yeah. Steph to Ben, myself, Everett, you had know, a bunch of guys that were ahead of him. He never really found his footing. Uh, but now he's had to step up, you know, rise to the occasion. And he's definitely done that.
0: I think he's a really good post player. And it doesn't feel like he's ever really had to play the post before, but his footwork is really, really good down there. Is that something he's always had, or is that something – we're going to get to your business here in a bit. Is that something you've helped him with?
2: Where did that no, footwork come from? I think he's just put a lot of time in. And he's understood, you know, with UVM this year not having – he's like, you know, in, in his f- freshman, sophomore years, they've kind of like – they let him play a little bit of post. Like, we would run plays for him, you know, to get him into the block. But now that UVM doesn't really have a, a Ryan Davis, say Anthony Lamb, or Urquhart, like, he's had to play more posts. So I think he's spent a lot of time. Um, in the offseason, once he realize, hey, I may have to post up more, spend a lot of time obviously working on his footwork, making sure he's making his laps.
0: You are, or it's well documented that Robin is not a outside shooter. It's not that he can't hit them, but he doesn't that's have, not. he doesn't shoot a great percentage. <laughs> it, I forget which game it was. I don't know if it was the Iona game earlier in the year or if it was someone in conference, but they said he's not a great shooter because his brothers never let him shoot <laughs> growing up and they just and made him true. rebound. Is that true? Uh,
2: absolutely true. That's 100%. That's why he's a good passer. That's why, like, when he's in the post, like he'll make, he'll whip these left hand passes. Across yeah. Because yeah. when he was younger, he did nothing but rebound for me, like, mm. especially me, a little bit for Everett. But my dad would be like, Robin, go rebound for Ernie. And I would just sit there, shoot, you know, all morning, and he wouldn't get any shots up. So my dad pretty much said, Robin, worry about you later. So that's 100% why Robin has never become a shooter. He tried to pick it up a little bit in high school, but he never got shots up, you know, the way I did, ever did. Um, in, in our younger years does
0: that translate to his ability to rebound too i remember
2: yeah like all that's super important like you know every time i would miss like he's chasing that rebound he's almost treating it when he was a little kid little you know fifth sixth grader he's chasing that rebounds you know all that kind of stuff and that's why he's so good at what he does when because he, he did it when he was little
0: i was times. watching again the 30 for 30 or not 30 for 30 the uh last dance and yeah. uh the jordan doc and rodman was saying like part of the reason he got so good at rebounding was just being in the gym, having guys miss shots. And I started to think of Robin Duncan in that way.
2: And it's true. And people are like, there's no way that well, It's true. Like, since he was a little kid, um, just chasing of rebounds, like treating it like a game when it's just me and him in the gym and my dad yelling at us. Like, that's why he's a good rebounder and a good passer.
0: Now, you're working with kids now. You've got your Ernie Duncan Hoops Academy. Duncan Hoops Hoops now. Duncan 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 Hoops.
2: Yeah, sure. Duncan Hoops
0: we'll talk about that in a second but it leads me to my next question people will look at it's not so much just Robin it's everywhere and say well why can't you shoot why can't you hit a free throw you work with guys and teaching them how to shoot how hard is it to just pick it up when you haven't it's, really done it
2: yeah I mean it's just hard it's hard to be a good shooter an average shooter in yeah. general. like it takes hours and hours and hours to just be a average shooter like if you want to be a great shooter it's going to take even more so um, I think with Robin, like, so let's say free throws, for example, a lot of it's just mental part of it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if you just go in a gym with him, just you two by yourselves, he's going to make 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10. Yeah. And you're like, why can't you do this in a game? But it's different, man. And when you step out onto the court and there's thousands of fans there and you know, like, oh, I got to make these free throws, totally different level.
0: Championship Saturday, you played in a couple of them here in Patrick Gym. What are the emotions like? How do you keep the emotions in check?
2: Hard. Yeah. Um, I think even looking back at my own career, um, I think I struggled. Uh, to play in championship games sometimes because yeah. I let the emotions, you know, if you go look at my stats in championship games, <laughs> I didn't shoot very well because I think I let the emotions get a little bit, I don't know, my emotions get too high. Like during the week, I'm just obsessing about it, obsessing about cutting the nets, obsessing about running on the court, obsessing about everything. So I think the guys that are able to kind of put that to the side during the week and just say, "Hey, I'm playing basketball, no big deal." Those guys have success. But I think you know, the emotions are just for me. They were just. Because it's everything you dream for. You know, everything yeah. you're since you're a little kid. You're like, I want to go to the tournament. I want to do this. Um, So it's it's tough to do, but I, the great, great players are able to do it.
0: When you got to the tournament, did you get to two of them? Remind me, the two. Purdue one and then the Florida State one. Yeah. When you got to the tournament, was it as nerve wracking no. still? Okay.
2: No, like loose. Um, I remember like the Florida State game. I couldn't have been like looser as far as mentally. My shot. And you shot I really well that game. game. I shot really well. Because like, I was like, I'm just really happy to be here. Like, yeah. And that's why you see these upsets in the tournament, because these teams are coming in loose, and you got these higher seeds that are like super tight, because they're like, we can't lose to this team. And then they treat it like how I would treat this yeah, amateur yeah. game. Um, Some of the Florida State game, being like, I feel like I cannot miss. Like, I'm just mentally relaxed. Um, and that's what's crazy about basketball, is not just the physical stuff. The mental stuff is really important.
0: You know, I'm thinking about this, and I think UVM is going to win by. 15, 17, and 60. That's my prediction. But if you're looking for me to find a worry, I brought this up a few times. This team sitting in Patrick Gym yesterday, watches the women, watches the crowd, sees the women win, gets all excited, wants to replicate it in some way. I don't think it's, I don't think it brings pressure, but I think you're just so amped up to, to, to follow in their footsteps to not be the program that lets yeah. people down. How do you control that aspect
2: Yeah, of it? I mean, uh, it's, it's, a good point. I think all those things you are saying are very true. Um, I think the good thing about this team is that they've got had guys that have been there. Like Dylan is a gamer. Yeah. He rises and during March. Finn's been there. Robin, I think this is like his third. uh um, Deloney. Deloney's been there. Like Nick, you know, these guys have been there, so they, they definitely can help um someone like maybe it's TJ that's probably right now feeling like, wow, this is this is an unreal feeling. So I think they have a veteran team that's gonna be fine. Um, and just again, just trying to relax is the biggest thing, just trying to take some time to breathe, especially like those first like or the 10 minutes of the game are just like, yeah, I'm down uh, typically after halftime though. You can feel yourself kind of calming down and be like, all right, we're just playing basketball. You know, so let's just relax. But yeah, definitely mental stuff will be big here.
0: Former UVM Hooper, the all-time leader in three-point shooting percentage in Catamount country, Ernie Duncan with us here on the Brady Farkas show live at Patrick Jim, getting ready for the uh, tip off here. 50 minutes away. Now is uh, the Catamounts take on UMass Lowell. Let's, let's nerd out for a minute here on, in this game. UMass Lowell has a big guy, six, nine Koulibaly is his last name. 11 points a game. Certainly a guy that's going to clog up the middle defensively. My question to you is what do you do to draw him out? Like, I I guess my, my response would be, I want to try to get him in actions that force him to make choices. Like I want to get Matt Veretto being the guy matched up on him. So, Hey, if you're going to leave, if you're going to stay in the paint, he's going to hit threes on you. And if you're going to come out, well, then we're going to be able to attack the lane. Right, I don't want your brother on him because then that's an easier matchup for him to lay off.
2: of. Yeah, they'll definitely be getting, you know, Nick and Matt involved in all ball screens, making sure they're bringing him out. Um, and Dylan, like if Dylan begins to make, you know, continues to make threes, like, yeah. that, that almost makes you impossible to guard. Because that's a guy you typically like him, Robin, you sag off of, you know, you help a lot off of them. But um, with Dylan, the, w- the way he's playing, like that opens up the floor so much. Um, especially making threes, but definitely they're going to v- try to get the big involved in ball screens when Nick and Matt are in. Um, because UVM obviously pl- plays a lot of five out.
0: Dylan Penn, Evansville, Indiana, just like all the Duncans. Um, did you know him growing up? I know he's obviously younger than you, I know he knows Robin well. It's part of the reason he came here, but did you know him I knew well? His
2: family, I didn't, I really didn't know Dylan. Um, I played against his, his, his cousins all the time, I played against his uncle. Uncle would coach against me cousin played on my AAU team growing up um, so I knew their family a lot I never really knew Dylan was really young um, you know I, obviously a few years younger than me when him and Robin
0: were not high school teammates though not high right
2: school teammates. We, they, he went to a rival school memorial he went to we went to Harrison high school and that was like you know once those two high school teams play like Robin and him had battles in high school is Evansville um,
0: that big that you can have kids from the same city oh yeah, that had, are okay Oh yeah
2: we have like six um, high schools in our in our city so it's you know I think third biggest city um, in Indiana. So they were, it was a crosstown rivalry, those two teams.
0: All, all the Dylan Penn, women's side, Delaney Richardson, Emma Utterback. Indiana, Indiana? <laughs> what is it about it? I mean, we've heard, you know, men have basketball and Hoosiers
2: and all that stuff. What is it's it about really, Indiana? It's just true. I mean, since you, like when you're a kid growing up, it's like you're playing basketball. Um, and then once you kind of get that love for it, it's like, yep. Well, it, well, the thing is, there's so much opportunity in Indiana to play like, compared to Vermont. There's not many opportunities. So like you want to go get shots up somewhere. Like, yeah. where are you going to go? Yeah. you know what I'm saying so in Indiana it's like yeah we have an academy here we can go to a high school or mm. high school coach open up the gym like there's so many ways for kids to get into the gym here you know comparing to comparing it to Vermont obviously kids don't have that advantage here um so that's why i think Indiana obviously is biggest cuz kids have so many opportunities to play basketball play for good teams play for good coaches that's i think that's probably the biggest outside of the gym access is there's so many good coaches from youth level from third fourth good coaches and all the way up so Coaching starts coaching.
0: No, I don't know where Evansville is in relation to the rest of Indiana, but are you, are you, Indiana, Butler, like who? Where? Where is yeah, the...
2: Evansville's Is very, very southern tip. Like Evansville is 15 minutes from the Kentucky border. Um, Butler is up in Indy, so that's like three hours away.
0: What was cooler Minnesota. to you to play against Butler to play against Kentucky? Then, which one was which one uh, meant man. more? I guess given the proximity,
2: I, I I'm gonna say I I wanted to go to Butler as a coming out of high school. Like I I visited with him a couple of times. I Brad Stevens recruited me early on in my wow. freshman year. Yeah, I went for an official there and sat with him in his office and did a whole huh. visit with him. Um so that was like, I want to play for Butler. Like that's that was my goal. And then he left and then they I obviously didn't go to Butler. Um, but Kentucky was like that's that's that was un you know crazy atmosphere to play in. And I think they were like top five. Yeah, they were five And you played the with them too. So, yeah, we were with them until the very I again shot horribly. I can't remember. <laughs> um but that was a game where i was like man this is uk this is cream of the crop so that, that was pretty cool to play at.
0: you know it's crazy because you sound a lot like myself obviously better i played d3 baseball you played d1 obviously so we get the difference in, in just natural talent but i psyched myself out so much like and like i don't know how you felt because you were probably usually the best player on a lot of teams i was more like always fighting for my spot so i was like okay if I play bad, well, now I'm going to lose my spot. If I don't throw strikes, I'm going to get taken out. So yeah. everything for me was always like I was always thinking instantly of what could go wrong, and it just, like, constantly yeah. overwhelmed me. Yeah. And then, like, I started getting into mental conditioning and sports psychology after the fact. I coached college baseball for three years right after I was done playing, and I was like, I wish I had known this yeah. stuff when I was playing because it totally changed my outlook on everything. Are you yeah. kind of going through? Yeah, like,
2: I mean, that's the same. I was the same way, especially early in my career. I mean, my senior year I think was my best year. Like I played loose, I had no worries. I was didn't care like about. But early in my career, I was like, wow, I got so many fans here. I'm letting down, I'm letting down Coach Becker, I'm letting down all my teammates. Then you're wondering home. who's taking your spot potentially. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is like, I'm you know, I'm almost stealing money from the university. Like, I'm, yeah. they were paying me money to, to come like a scholarship to come here, and all those things were just going through my head, and it was just you know, I obviously got to a point where I was like, I just cannot do this anymore. Um, so it's just like I said, my senior year I was able to come around and just kind of relax and just enjoy have an appreciation for everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a I'm similar to you kind of you.
0: Talk um, to me about duncan Hoops because I see the ads on on social media all the time. I i know you're working, you got some of the guys at UVM helping you on the side, things like that. Um, is it a roving basketball academy? Essentially, you're not located in one central gym, are you? Oh, we
2: are located at Moxie School here okay. down the road in Bronson. Um, but yeah, I mean, we train me and Bailey Patella really, um, are training every single day. We train kids from second graders all the way up. Um, and then the off season, like we trained Steph Smith oh, cool. uh, when he came here and hopefully we, we work with some, um, more professionals when, you know, when the this, this season ends, but during, during the years, uh, during the year, you know, we got a bunch of younger kids all the way up to high school. And. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to continue to be around basketball and then sort of like this mental stuff we're talking about, like being there's plenty of kids that are going through the same oh absolutely when I were kids. Um so being able to like be hey, this is what you got you focus on with your free throw, whatever mental stuff is um that I, I really strive to help kids get better at.
0: Well, I hear the band going below us, so I'll get you at courtside <laughs> here momentarily. I know you want to get down there, but uh, just talk give give a plug for the outfit if somebody wants lessons want sessions etc how can they get in touch with you
2: duncanhoops.com everything there just duncanhoops.com it's we have a pretty easy website pretty uh, user-friendly um place that you can book workouts there we run camps uh you know in swan we'll run a camp in indiana we'll do a camp over across lake and plattswork um kind of throughout vermont we'll do one in at the odd um so yeah just duncanhoops.com and everything's there
0: you know and then finally we, we kind of talked about this off air a little bit but we had steph smith on he joined us from serbia I want to know why, why didn't you want to go the pro route? Cause you know, and then conversely also, why did you want to stay in Vermont? Cause uh, Mike Trimboli was on with us at eight forty-five, and he stayed in Vermont. Yeah. He played uh, professionally for two or three years and then he yeah. came back here and never wanted to leave.
2: I had opportunities to go. Like I was looking into it. I think I could still be playing right now somewhere, yeah. um, but I just didn't, you know, I have my, my wife now that, you know, I've been married to for a few months now, so like that, she was a big part of it. Like I wanted to be around her. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I was able to start a business, like I said, right after that Florida State game. Um, like the next month, I was training kids. Mm. So once that picked up and the summer got really big, um, I started to get a bunch of bunch of clients. I was like, hey, I got a good thing going here. Might as well not leave and, you know, and one thing too, like we talked about, like nothing was gonna live up to here. Yeah, like being able to run out in front of thousands of fans and have a community that's so so special here. Um, I knew if I would end up somewhere, and you know, if there wasn't any support, I'd be pretty much alone. Um, I just didn't feel like I'd be comfortable in that situation. So, and I, I like I said, I love love Vermont. Like Did I, your
0: brothers I, factor in at all? Being able to watch them because Everett was behind you, Robin Everett, was here. Did that factor in?
2: Definitely factor. And I think if you know if they weren't here or if you know whatever, um, I think that may have said, all right, maybe I'm gonna hit it. go go. I'll move some, at least to a different state. Yeah. Um. So definitely Everett staying around. I wanted to be around for you know his his even though his year ended you know, with COVID, but, like, stand up for that and be around with Robin like that, obviously. I'm really family-oriented, so, like, I didn't, you know, being overseas obviously took me away from being able to go see my parents for a weekend, so I didn't want to do that. What's Everett up to now? Everett coaches out of Division three in Salva, Salve Regina. Oh, yeah, Rhode Island, yeah, the Rhode Seahawks. Island. Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, they had a bad year. They, <laughs> <But> <laughs> they need some dunkin' hoops in their life <laughs> is what do, they need. He's coaching. He's, uh, he you know, it's involved in coaching. He wants to maybe level up um and get to a different level but he's another guy ever obviously has a bright future i think in coaching um so hopefully he can get up to the you know maybe division one ranks one day you and
0: i haven't talked about this i heard it through the grapevine are you a raiders fan yeah. is that okay so um <laughs> you know we talk about the patriots all the time yeah. and i'm sure you've seen that on twitter all right do you want mac jones as the raiders quarterback I or Some what?
2: rumors about that i do not want mac jones absolutely not See, i think
0: i wouldn't I think either if i were you player,
2: baby I, I You know, I, I, I don't really have an opinion on him, but I'm, I think he's just not. I know him and McDaniels, though, had a good year Yeah. that first year. Obviously, he took a step back last year with um, Patricia, Patricia yeah. and that mess that they had. But I don't want, you know, I kind of with the Raiders, I want Rodgers. Um, but his cap hits going to be way too big. Um,
0: see my issue is if, if I were you, I'm, I'm in your line of thinking. Like I think Derek Carr is good, good. and he's been the face of the franchise for a decade. If you're going to move on from that, you better be bringing better in bring somebody better.
2: Right. And, that, and that's my thing. Mac so, like, Jones is not better. It's not better. And now there's like Jimmy G rumors out there and I'm just like, at least Jimmy G
0: has been to a super bowl. At least you can say bowl, he's more But He's also had a
2: really good defense and I'm just like Raiders don't have this defense. They're going to need somebody to like make some noise. Yeah, well, like, with, they, with, they got upgrade and they're not going to upgrade. I don't think, unless it's uh, Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, but I think Lamar Jackson is also a pipe dream with what he wants.
0: With uh, with uh, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. you got to capitalize. they got to capitalize. Gotta capitalize. <laughs> so, yeah. Ernie Duncan talk a little football, too. We'll send him down courtside, get ready for the American East title game, man. we'll be right back finish up the show next year on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, streaming today live on Facebook and on YouTube. We'll- be right back here.
1: Now it's back to the Brady Parker show on WDEV AM, FM and WDEB radio yeah. yeah.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back. We're wrapping up here from the Americas Title Game, our two hour pregame show. Gonna end here in a couple of minutes. Uh thank I wanna thank everybody who has listened, everybody who is some of you I think have been here for entirety of the ship popped in sporadically. We appreciate anybody who spent some time with us today and appreciate all of our guests too, man. It was, uh, you know, this was a big ask by me on a lot of people, and I appreciate everybody making some time. Mike Tremboli got up early this morning to talk with us. He's got two kids in a family. He made time for us at 8.45 a.m. Uh, Steph Smith joined us all the way from Serbia through potential laggy internet connections. We appreciate him. Jake Marsh, fresh off a plane, joined us. Uh, Ernie Duncan sitting down with us. Ryan Zimmerman made a trip here to Patrick Gym to talk with us, so I appreciate everybody who has been with us, uh, what I want to know from you simply is one. What do you think about the game? And two, how'd you enjoy this? This is something that is different for WDEV. It's something we don't do a lot. We obviously did this last year here. Is this something that you'd like to see more of? I'm curious. Um, so I can go back to the bosses and say, Hey, listeners liked it. Listeners didn't like it, whatever. I can take the feedback. So I appreciate anybody who's willing to get in and tell me, uh, what they thought about this. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun to be here. I thought it was fun to talk to a lot of people um, and a little bit different forum, right? You know, get a chance to sit down in person with a couple people, get a chance to talk uh, with people that I don't always get to talk to. So I enjoyed it, but I enjoy the business. So I hope that... Uh, um, you know, I hope that, that you did as well. Nate says, I appreciate it, Brady. I listened on the way to the game today. Thank you very much. So uh, that means a lot. And uh, hopefully the rest of you felt the same way. But here's kind of what's going to happen moving forward. I'm going to get off the air here momentarily. Uh, I'm going to go through. I'm going to cut up all these interviews. I'm going to post this full show on our uh, podcast channel, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and at WDEVradio.com. All the interviews that we did, uh, I think Jake Marsh and Mike Tromboli are already up, but Ryan Zimmerman, we will put up. We will also put up Ernie Duncan. We'll put up Steph Smith. They were all great. So, hope you all enjoyed it. I got the Catamounts winning by 15. Again, I think the key to this game is what can UVM do against the big guy, Kulabale? How do they get him out of the paint defensively? How can they rebound defensively? How can they again, offensively, you know, get him away from the pain on his own defensive side of things. So I think UVM will have a plan to play defense. It's more about how do they make him play defense, I think, and uh, then also just the emotions of it, the emotions of it all. Um, How do you handle it? How you come out? Again, I expect the first seven, eight minutes to be fairly close and fairly tight and fairly low scoring, much like we saw with the women's game last night. What happens after that? What happens in the next 30 minutes? I think UVM wins this game. By 15 79 to 54 is my overall prediction I hope that I'm right I hope I hope it's worse than that I hope it's better than that I hope Uem wins by a lot more but uh, I got a 15 point victory I think this is going to be the fourth title that I see here in catamount country uh first year against you Albany two against UMBC and this one this will be the fourth so I am certainly rooting for that and then selection Sunday tomorrow will see where both men and the women will play is the goal the women are already there the men are looking to do their part jane ann says thank you brady a great way to get ready for the big game jane ann i appreciate you listening as well this was a lot of fun mike Tremboli told me i had a good jump shot ernie duncan told me he and i were a lot alike. so my ego is feeling pretty good right now and uh i'm feeling ready for the game also I will be back on Monday at obviously the regular time for the Brady Varka show five 30 on the radio, a uh, WDEV AM and FM. We'll talk about this game. We'll talk about the women's game. We'll talk about the women and hopefully the men's draw in the NCAA tournament. So a lot more catamount coverage is coming. You can follow us every single night, five 30 on WDEV. And you can also check me out again, uh, on Twitter at WDEV radio, Brady, we post a lot of clips of the show on there. We also, uh, you our Catamount coverage everywhere. So, everybody, enjoy the game. Go, Cats, go. Enjoy it, the coverage, and uh, I will see you on Monday. I guess we're stopping just shy of 1030. It's 1028, but, hey, we made it just about the full two hours. So, the internet stayed true, I believe, for the most part. Thank you to everybody who listened. Thanks to UVM for letting me do this. I appreciate you letting me do this for a second consecutive year. Go, Cats, go, everybody. I'll see you on Monday. Go download the best Apple Vod plus Spotify.